your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by Alex Johnson, James Boyman, and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. James here, joined by Ryan and Alex, following Everton's enthralling nil-nil draw against Liverpool in the Merseyside Derby at Goodison Park. That fixture, the Derby, is the most drawn, most goalless fixture in both English top flight history and Premier League history. Kind of crazy, but also we've seen a number of these in recent years. Before we get into all of the excitement, all of the crazy moments, and all of the analysis, a reminder that if you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice. Helps us out a ton. If you want to find all of our links to social media, you can go to linktr.ee slash usatoffeepod. And a reminder to join our Discord, invite.gg slash ATP. Links will be in the description. Check it out. Otherwise, let's get right into it, guys. Instant match reactions. We'll tee up Alex to go first. Yeah, so I, well, I wanted to point out, usually when, when you open with an enthralling nil-nil draw, it's sarcastic, but I'm excited <laughs> to announce that that's not the case today. He's actually being serious. Um, in terms of instant reaction, we've got some uh, listener uh, posts for you. I've got Jaden Sherman at Mr. Shermanator 8. Anyone questioning Pickford is England number one after this game is crazy. Not to get a, Gutted not to get a win after a good performance, but will definitely take a draw today. Yeah, and I went with Clayson at Son of Clays, who said, Forget spirit. The team showed the character we lacked last year. Mopai Big Miss. We'll definitely talk about that. But offered the striker movement and spacing we've missed. Little wordplay for you there. Excited for the Onana Ghana Awobi midfield. Frank got it right today, including the subs. Patterson is a stud. Pickford man of the match. Worth the 4.15 a.m. wake up. Big one, early wake up for a lot of our U.S. side toffees. And I agree with Clayson. I mean, the composure, we'll talk about the flow of the match, but I think as the game wore on, we really dug in and had chances throughout, opportunity to win it. Disappointing we couldn't, but a nil-nil draw is no result to scoff at in a match like that. Yeah, it's worth mentioning the West Coast folks. Seattle Evertonians at Seattle underscore blues. Some 4 a.m. wake-ups are more worthy than others. This one was truly worth it, even at nil-nil. That's a nice little summary. I chose for my specific summary, um, Mr. Nick Weinstein at Nick Weinstein 27. Good point. Pickford immense saving the ball. <laughs> yeah, I like that caveat. That's pretty funny. I mean, he did kick the ball out of bounds twice there at the end. That was not fun. Uh, both teams had great chances. VVD could have been off. We'll talk about that. Ghana, very calming presence, also, also noteworthy. We build and we move. And I think that's a very good summary of, of what I took from the match as well. Well said, and thanks to all of our folks who submitted instant reactions, and we appreciate you very much. Now, in terms of score predictions from our Discord, just two. We had a ton of people predict draws, but most people expected, I think, a 1-1. We had two people correctly predict a nil-nil, and that is the Sneaky Snail, who said nil-nil, but Pickford plays incredibly. He also predicted a red card for someone, which probably should have come to fruition, Mm. but did not. And then we had the Robert Morrison himself, Nil nil because chaos. Also, so both of our score predictions also pretty adept at predicting the nature of the match because it did indeed get chaotic at times. But let's wind the clock back to one hour before kickoff. For some of you, that was 4 a.m. For me, it was 6.30 a.m. We'll talk about both lineups, but we'll start with Liverpool. 
Every time I think of Darwin Nunez now, I think of that guy doing the TikTok song who's tone deaf and can't sing. You know, oh, I'm talking he's about? so bad. Why does he keep doing that? You can't sing, man. Like invest in auto tune or something, which I can't stand auto tune. But like, if you can't sing, you shouldn't. Anyway, um, he was in for uh, Roberto Firmino. There were three changes for Liverpool after their win versus Newcastle, which was supposed to go 95 minutes and actually went 98. There's Crazy. nothing corrupt about Premier League refs, though. Um, and obviously the 9-0 dismantling of Bournemouth before that. But Nunez was in for Firmino. Definitely helps them a lot. Gives them a, a goal score. Uh, Samikas was in for Robertson. I don't think that's much of a drop-off, honestly. I think those those two are fairly similar. And Carvalho is in for Henderson, Jordan Henderson going down at his advanced age. It's going to happen. <laughs> but I think you look at this team and you kind of have some questions in, in the midfield, which makes a lot of sense why they went for Arter with Harvey Elliott kind of on the right side as well. It's pretty young, pretty inexperienced now with with two very young guys to play a little bit in front of Fabinho, but you don't see much of a different tactical setup. You know, it's still Carvalho was kind of sitting back more in the Tiago position and and Elliot was trying to get forward again and team up with Salah. So you see a lot of triangles on the wide spaces, and that's kind of how they set up. Um, one big change in Everton's lineup that I think was a real positive, Alex. Yeah, and that, that saw uh, Mope come in for McNeil, who dropped to the bench. Uh, McNeil, you know, top in the league with 48 pressures last week. He had a huge defensive display. Um, really locked down the right hand side with Patterson. So that was an interesting choice, although, you know, could be, you know, could have been fatigue. Obviously, it's only been, you know, X number of days, what, five days since the last match. Um, the other interesting thing, too, is, you know, we saw Everton set up in a 4-3-3 just like last time out. You know, we've discussed how we've set up in the past versus how we think Frank wants to play. We saw Everton bring in numerous midfielders um, over the transfer window, which suggested we wanted to play with three in midfield. And based on the lineup, um, especially looking at Liverpool's, as Ryan mentioned, with with a weakened uh, midfield, it looked like maybe it was a, a good choice up front to start with three in the middle for us. I definitely think so. And I think McNeil probably dropping off does have to do something to do with his efforts during the week. But I also think with Gordon and Gray, you're looking for that explosive pace to get in behind and hopefully get a goal on the counter. McNeil doesn't quite offer as much of that. He, of course, did see the field later on in the match, but I was pleased with the lineup overall. And I think the the tactical setups for both teams were interesting as well. I think that's a good point playing off the counter because that's certainly what we were doing. I think Frank does want to gravitate towards a 4-3-3 defending in a 4-1-4-1, but I, I, I think ideally you'd want to get on the ball. So that, that's a little bit unique. James. But you've talked about it, Ryan. The way you beat Liverpool is you kind of have to sit back and just hit them quickly. That's when they're most vulnerable, and that's when where teams have seen the most success. I think so, for sure. And, and I think the big the big areas is to play behind the fullbacks. I would say Liverpool did a pretty good job, though, of containing that. But at what expense? You know, I, th- I think it it got them out of shape at times as well. But you didn't see they protected behind Trent Alexander Arnold a lot because that's where everyone kind of targets because he's ultimately playing as a wing. And the thing is, if Liverpool has possession and, and it, you know, the one thing they do really well is play very directly. And when they do have possession, they still have long passing ability like no one else. They really kind of, you know, they lead the league in switches by a mile, long passes by a mile. Uh, they lead the league in crosses, too. Um, as an example, Liverpool last week had 47 crosses versus Newcastle and 79 long balls. Now, this week, 57 long balls and only or 59 long balls and 29 crosses. So I think that's a good sign. I mean, that we we defended a little bit better. Um, Liverpool were a little narrow. 
Um, they looked more balanced. It seemed like in the first half, they, they attacked Mikalinko's side and, and Awobi and Tark a little more. In the second half, it was very much going after Patterson Davies and uh, kind of o- o- Onana and, and Cody in the second half, too, because Onana eventually moved up there when we inserted Ganagai into the lineup. But um, look, the bottom line is, though, both teams had had opportunities in, in dangerous areas uh, throughout the match. Yeah, I mean, in, in recent years, the possession disparity in matches against Liverpool has been pretty crazy. And though it started out that way, it ended up later on in the match to not be the case. And furthermore, you know, usually we're scrapping for a couple decent chances, but both teams created a lot and in good areas as well. Everton 79% and Liverpool 78% of their shots inside the 18 yard box, pretty negligible numbers from outside though. We did take a few. Um, I think the shot selection was decent besides that one, Alex, Awobi. Uh, trying to catch Allison off his line. But uh, yeah, just just good chances abound for both teams. Kind of a miracle that neither team scored. We'll talk about that in just a little bit, and we'll get into the timeline. But before that, just a quick word from our sponsors. Okay, gentlemen, let's get into the timeline and the match itself. Uh, I think what was interesting is in the first 15 minutes, it was kind of what you would expect. You know, it was 30 to 70 in possession. possession. Um Two to one in shots, three to one in tackles. But 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 I think something that was really interesting is the 80% passing rate for Everton. It did look like when we had the ball, there were some signs that we were on it a little bit. We had some intent. We had some purpose. Um, in the seventh minute, there was a massive chance for us that just a little bit of a, you know, if Mo, Mope just kind of maybe he's a little softer, maybe a little harder. Gordon gets it. You know, I I I I, I think it's. You know, it was a really big chance, honestly, that nothing really came of, but could have been massive. I was just encouraged to see us get an early opportunity and set the tone and get the Goodison crowds to keep them engaged because you see, you know, the atmosphere was so crazy kickoff. And if the play starts to be a little bit one sided, it can really um, neutralize the atmosphere. So the early chances were good just to keep the crowd engaged and showed that Liverpool were, in fact, quite vulnerable. Yeah, and I mean, from there, that's where we really started to build on it and, and and really build into the first half, right? I mean, about five minutes later or so, Gordon had a curled shot shot outside the box off of a corner. And then obviously about 10 minutes later in the 31st, Davies had a really good chance and goes with the outside of the boot and hits the uh, hits the post, which was, you know, Goodison was essentially like in the middle of, of celebrating behind the goal because it was so, you know, crazy that he did not score that. And that, I think... Um, you know, really got Goodison to their feet and rocking for the rest of the match. And, and it showed promise for the, the rest of the match to come. I think kind of freaked Liverpool out too. Yeah. You know, I mean, it had to, it's like, Whoa, that, that maybe could have gone in, you know, and, and maybe should have, um, you know, the one thing though, about playing behind the ball a lot and playing the counter that you see is at the end of each half teams get tired and, um, it takes a lot of effort, both mental focus as well as physical exertion to kind of defend behind the ball. You know, we've talked about that a lot on the pod, you know, the benefits of, of having the ball versus not having the ball. And I think of the 42nd minute where Liverpool really had far and away their best chances in the first half. You saw that exact same thing happen where Tark kind of goes to sleep a little bit. Nunez gets the jump on him and it's a good long pass to him and he makes a great shot. I mean, let's be honest, the guy could score. I mean, there's no question about it, but you saw it, you know, just kind of slept for a second and and I mean, Pick makes a great save on it. It's a tough save. He gives, does just just enough. And Diaz has the ball in a more of a transition situation. And he does what he does, right? Cutting inside, cutting inside. And maybe Davies could have done better stepping in front of him or taking a better angle. 
and he pings it off the post. And and I think this was a huge break for us because it's the exact type of thing that happens in this type of game that you can't let happen, but it's easy to have happen, right? It happens to everyone. And this is why the teams that keep the ball often score later in the halves. Yeah, it was a t- terrifying sequence of play without a doubt. I mean, for Nunez to bring the ball down the way he did to get the shot off at that angle, Pickford tips it, it hits the crossbar or hits the post. How often we see those get deflected in and then Diaz, same thing. It almost comes off the post and goes in, and then it also almost goes out of bounds to show you kind of the trajectory it was on. So uh, I was particularly terrified, especially after playing such a good half. If we had gone, if they had scored there and we go down one nil, it really would have just been very demoralizing. But from the 50, 15th minute, you know, we talked about the disparity in possession to halftime. Things got a little bit more even. It was about 60, 40 possession. Uh, four to five in shots. Each team had one on target, but obviously Liverpool had the, the three posts. Four to five in tackles. And even though the, the possession disparity is there, the pass accuracy is pretty decent. 75 for Everton to 81 for Liverpool. So we're definitely not pinpoint, but we I think we saw a lot from our midfield in the first half in terms of ability to keep possession and string passes together, more so than we've seen in other matches this year, for sure. And think those were excellent plays by Liverpool, but none of them were massive chances necessarily. They just made them chances because of their quality, because ultimately you look at halftime and again, it's the early XG numbers and you know we've warned upon single game XG, especially single half XG, but you know Everton... Liverpool 0.32 at the end of the first half. And, and I think that's right. I think we had the better quality chances truly. Um, I I don't know how you guys thought, but I I felt, I felt okay. Now I was concerned that we might come into the second half a little bit flat because we had been the last couple matches. And that is kind of what happened. But I mean, I was satisfied with how that first, first half went. Yeah, no, I, I thought it was a really positive half, especially as y'all said, after, after the Nunez and Diaz chance, Diaz chance, you're like, let's just get to it. Um, you know, uh, James, to your point about just how fluid we looked and, and how much better we looked in the first half, I think one of the first thoughts I had in the first half was just how much different we looked with Mopai up front. Um, he definitely was able to facilitate a lot of space for other attackers. You know, he linked up pretty well. It seemed like he was active. His movement looked good. So that was a huge positive for the first half too, just seeing the difference between him and everyone else that has tried to step in at striker uh, at the beginning of the season. He's a good player, isn't he? I mean, he, he the knock on him is the finishing, which I, I think is a little bit silly. And, and you can't expect him to be fit and finishing really well, considering he literally has not played a second, I think, for Brighton in preseason or at least in the season. I can't believe he went 90 minutes too. That's another story. Um, but you could see the different type of player that, that they wanted. He can hold the ball up a little bit, even though he's not a big guy, but he can play between the lines. He can run into space. He, he's just Solomon Ronda, nothing against him. He's good as in a very specific role, a target type role. And that's not how Frank wants to play. So, so I get it. Uh, I mean, I totally get it. Um, I don't know about you guys though. I was still a little disappointed that we came out flat in, in the second half. I felt like we weren't at it. Like we weren't weren't winning our battles like we weren't engaged and and the numbers are indicate exactly that I think in the first 10 minutes yeah in the first 10 minutes of the second half 46 to 55th we we were as Ryan pointed out pretty poor Liverpool had 63 percent possession five to one in shots and a couple of corners on top of that I'm still very nervous every time we concede a corner especially in matches like these I think we did a, a pretty good job defending them today uh for the most part, but I'm with you, Ryan. I was disappointed to see us after going toe to toe with them for the most part through the first half to come out and 
just be a little switched off, like not maintain that level of play and allow them to build some confidence. Um, I thought might come back to bite us. Yeah, you know that. I was concerned. I mean, Alex, were you not concerned? I mean, I, I like in like the 63rd, we had a corner. I'm sitting there thinking this is going in. I just had this terrible feeling that 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 it was. And and I think I don't know. I, I, that's how I felt. I felt like, oh, my God, we got to turn this around. We got to do something different. It's just that sinking feeling of inconsistency that we've seen from Everton for so many years. Uh, inconsistent uh, on a consistent basis, I guess. Right. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, no, it. And yet, honestly, obviously, uh, throughout the match, um, it, it got uh, it got significantly better, I think, from the first uh, 10 minutes. And it seemed like, you know, through the second half, it was very much similar to the structure of the first and, and how we performed and how it played out. Yeah, look at the numbers. I mean, the numbers from the 56th to the 91st. I, I thought this was pretty striking. I'm not trying to get overly analytical here, although we do that in the American Toffee podcast, don't we? Um the point I was trying to make here from the 56th minute to the 91st, we actually won the possession battle. Crazy. Higher pass success rate, 71 to 69. Uh, three dribbles to their zero and shots were even at seven. So uh, you start to look at that and, and you felt like in the second half, it could go, it could go either way. And there were all these huge moments that I think were really impactful. I think the first one that really turned the tide is, is the Ghana guy. sub. no offense to Tom Davies, but I think even on a yellow, and I'm very happy that they kept Onana in. You can see how difficult he is to play against when he's in the middle and free. Onana is. And the thing is, you never saw that at Lille, too, because he was always in a two-man midfield. So he didn't quite have the freedom there, too. So to see him kind of unleashed was really impressive. And my goodness, how good did Ghanakai look the second he was put in on the ball, even? Yeah, I mean, I think his first touch was, I mean, it wasn't like a pass under pressure, but he just pinged it, I think, across to like Tarkowski, probably 30 yards on the ground, just spot on pass. I was like, oh, God's back. Oh, that's how it's, it's like going to be today, left. huh? Oh, that's, yeah, how, like, that's how we're going to be today, huh? Oh, he's ready today. And and to your point about him just dropping in, same thing with Mopai. These guys haven't played meaningful minutes to get plopped in the middle of a Merseyside derby that is feisty, to say the least. Uh, I was very, very pleased with their response, their quality, their composure, and uh, their ability to contribute, like we talked so much midweek after the Leeds match about the lack of subs, to have that guy at your disposal to bring off the bench to replace Tom Davies. And I know a lot of people were talking about Onana potentially coming off on the yellow, which was a ridiculous yellow. We didn't touch on it. For that to be the first yellow and only yellow of the first half is a joke. Garbage. But he was very composed after the fact. And Ghana Gay came on and immediately just offered us a level of um, resilience, tenacity, fight, Spirit, blah, 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 blah. A lot of things in midfield. And, and as a sub, I think he was more than adequate. And I'm just so glad he's back, honestly. He's going to be so important for us. Yeah, it was it was really exciting to see the midfield three of uh, Ghana, Onana, and Awobi. I think that they're going to be a beast this season. Obviously, we talked about, you know, Ducore coming back as well. But then just two minutes later, after Ghana comes on in the 64th, uh, Mope had that ginormous chance in front of goal. We, we were on the break, uh, five versus three. <laughs> Gray explodes forward, lays it off to the center of the box. Mope got a touch on it. He's probably like one yard away from Allison and hits it straight as his chest. You could tell he knew he messed up. Everyone around Goodison Park was just flabbergasted at how, you know, once again after the Tom Davies post debacle that we were not ahead. He just, he's not quite fit, you could tell, because you want to hit that first time. Because yes, he had time to take the touch, but when he took the touch, what happened? Allison got in front of him and really, 
I mean, he would have had to put top bins to beat him from that angle after that touch, I think. And Allison deserves credit. I loved how the announcer's like, amazing save by Allison. No, he literally hit him in the stomach. Like, what amazing save. He just came out. Like, what are you talking about, man? I will say this. Damari Gray deserves a lot of credit for showing some compo. There were several times, actually, in this match where we got it into the final third and, and we didn't rush. We didn't panic. And I haven't seen that a lot for us. And it led to some good good chances but the spacing was good i mean how often do we see us going to break like that do something stupid like taking on warren and shot or gray or gordon put their head down and fire one a lot i didn't see that too much today and we saw that in the first half there was i think a play where gordon like burst forward and then just kind of dribbled aimlessly into the corner and lost the ball and it's like okay well you'd really need to be direct when you're on the break against liverpool like you gotta have them backpedaling and not aimlessly meander to the corner though you know he had some good moments of pace as well. But after the Mopai chance, I think the tension in the stadium is building. I was very tense, worried that I don't know, like how many more chances are we going to get there that good in this match? And then actually, before we get to that, we did have a good comment from a, a Nebula 1979 who said regarding the chance hard to fault Mopai thought he added a lot today. Can't be expected to be Matt Sharp as he's played no football this season. Very true. Impressed he was able to get through the full 90 and must have great natural fitness. No question. No question at all. You know, I think we need to call him the moped. I think that uh, oh my makes it better. God, how I mean, did you just have that? in the? We're going to stop you right there, Ryan. <laughs> should, Someone come get this man. Look, he's a little motor. He never stops. Like, you know, when you travel over in Europe, especially in France and stuff, and you see these people on the mopeds flying around like crazy. Like, that's basically him. It's kind of annoying, you know, but it's really, really pragmatic and really works. And it's very effective. The hole is to deep. get around. Buckle right. up your helmets, folks. I would never wear one, mopeds but, you know. here. Well, <laughs> right. I mean, I, I mean, I think of it more as in, you know, kind of like the who channeling quadrophenia type, you know, you know, with the, the mod outfit. We need to get him to dress up in a month. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm really Everton, Everton to net let's, zero carbon emission or emissions in 2023. Yeah, let, only. Let, let's get to the 68th then. Uh, this was the big moment in the match. I have some interesting observations on this that I'm sure will irritate people, but um, this could have been a massive moment. I was not remotely excited about it because when I saw it happen on the play, I've seen that exact play a million times. And I just kind of assumed he was, he was off, but Goodison looked like it was just absolutely going bonkers. I was going bonkers in my living room by myself. Allie was sleeping. She probably didn't appreciate it. I was like, yes, yes. Jax is like running outside and it was pandemonium. I felt great. I too went bonkers. So, uh, hand up on that, but Unfortunately, the Connor, Cody. my response is just, oh, he's off. <laughs> I didn't even move from the couch, really. I'm like, yeah, that's exciting. Max is pumped. I was like, he's off. <laughs> I so- see. I didn't see it well enough live to, to be able to tell. And, you know, on the replay, it did look like he was off, but they reviewed it for a pretty long time uh, to, again, just build up the tension in Goodison. But Connor Cody hitting it in in the celebration. I mean, it's so much has been made about the fact he was a red blah, blah, blah. I mean, when in that it. moment going ahead against Liverpool in the second half and then having it taken away is always going to be a bit of a letdown. It was. And you could tell Frank trying to keep everyone positive and rational on the sidelines. It's nice to have a guy there that's been there, done that, you know, that type of thing. I'm sure that does matter. He needs to keep up the team's attitude. I'm not going to say the word, Alex. I don't even think I was going to. Um, <laughs> I, I, Richard Keyes had some bizarre rant about how it may have been deflected and if so it nullifies the offside i don't understand that argument at all i I, he hit the ball he was off before he moved it wasn't like a new possession just because he deflects i I don't get that at all 
it was tight though. Um, it's a shame. I can't really fault Cody on that one. You know, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, you're, you're, you're not a forward. I get it, but, um, it would have been amazing. Uh, I think the next really big moment in the match though was in the 77th. And I'm really interested to see what you guys think. I mean, Virgil van Dyke goes in on Onana. He's four or five inches above his foot, goes right into his ankle, studs up, studs up. Some people claim that he didn't, he didn't go in hard. Like he kind of pulled up a little bit. I, I don't even know what that means. I mean, go in hard. What? What? Um, did you want him to like snap his leg in two? I can't. T- I, someone said it went to VAR. Someone said it didn't. I don't know if it didn't. It, it should have for sure as a red card. Is that a red card for you guys? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a red card, right? Like it's it's one of those where I think it's it's definitely endangering the player. Um, as you said, it was it was quite a high boot. And even the commentators made a made some sort of comment along the lines of it was about a centimeter higher up than it should have been a red card, which you're like, I don't think that makes a huge amount of difference in this scenario. Right. And, and I mean, from my perspective, I was just really worried about how her Onana was going to be. Same here Uh, for me. It's look, he's nowhere near the ball studs directly into the ankle. You're endangering the player. I can see why it wasn't a straight red, but I also, in my very biased opinion, was like, send him off. We were joking on Discord, like, lock him in jail, imprison him, all these things. I mean, it was a, a very rash challenge. But to your point, Alex, that was my major concern as well. We've seen Onana be subjected to a number of pretty rash challenges in his short time in a blue shirt, and he seems to recover pretty well. But he looked like he was in some serious pain, as you would expect. And what was encouraging for me was to see Ghana go right over to him and, like, we talked about the potential mentorship angle there for him to like, all right, let's go. Let's you can get back up. You can play through this. And he did. And he he looked really no worse for wear. Hopefully it's just, you know, no long term injury or something he was at risk of worsening by continuing to play. But the response there was really encouraging, as well as the fact that we responded to the goal being called off by continuing to pressure and continuing to create chances. I think Alon coming off the bench warming up was interesting because it's it's almost surefire that he's well he could be on his way out i would think he probably is because he would have featured already by now he's too good not to have uh tim at yo this is whack from twitter fitting handle for this play yeah and 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 tim honestly it's very funny some of the things that he says uh nailed it van dyke should have been sent off and could have absolutely we could have absolutely taken three points Hard to feel like referees and VAR are still against us. Let's go up the toffees. I'm I'm totally with him. I think it's a straight red, 100%. I, I don't understand how, I mean, he's four or five inches above the foot. I mean, it's not like he went for the ball really very well at all. He was nowhere near the ball. And if you're nowhere near for the ball, I mean, you're off the ground. So where were you going with it? It's completely reckless. It's definitely dangerous. I don't see how anyone could argue that. It's incredibly dangerous for someone that big with that kind of force. Um, I think it's immediate red, 100%. And I, I just, why not go to the monitor? And here's the thing I have a problem with with Premier League VAR in general. He could go to the monitor and say no. That's okay. I, I think it was certainly worth doing it. I just really disappointed in that. Uh, whether we win or not, it's kind of irrelevant to me. I mean, it, it just, I mean, it's not irrelevant. I, I wanted us to win. But to me on the call, like that's, I, I just think that's got to be a red card. If that's not a red card, what is? I mean, seriously, what could be a more dangerous tackle? Like, ser- that's more dangerous than me just walking up and punching someone in the face. So I, I just, I don't see it any any other way. But I digress. Um, eventually, Frank made a second sub and brought Dwight McNeil in. Were you guys a little surprised he didn't take Gray off? Yeah, I mean, I would say I was surprised, right? You know, my, my comment when the lineup dropped 
was just that I was surprised, you know, Gray started over McNeil simply because of the defensive output. I thought it was a good sub, you know, maybe he could have even come on a little bit earlier just for that solidity, but otherwise right idea. And, and it kind of made sense uh, from my perspective. Yeah, I would have taken off Gray as well. I think Gordon up to that point uh, hadn't really done too much in the second half noteworthy. And I think you, you just don't know how much background context, like what the, their fatigue levels were before the match, if that was always going to be the, the deal that Gordon wasn't going to go the full 90. But at face value, I would have preferred to take Gray off based on the contributions to that point. But so be it. McNeil comes on and, you know, I thought he did pretty well. But towards the tail end of the game, as we get into stoppage time, six minutes, A, I, was, I, I mean, I said I thought it'd be four. Six seems like a lot. And it was not it was not comfortable for the Toffees to say the absolute very least about it. We were under quite a bit of pressure. And it wasn't six again. You know, it was like six and a half. Apparently, he didn't like the Pickford was wasting time, which, look, I- I'm so tired of that. I mean, that whole narrative building up to it, it's like talking through the press to try and influence the officials. I mean, how amateurish do you have to be to throw him the yellow in that because he was time wasting when the other keeper had done the same thing? I, I just don't know what what is the expectation now for keepers? If that's the case, make an objective rule about how long it can take to kick a goal kick. And seriously, I mean, because I, I don't I don't under how do you gauge on whether they're taking their time or not or the formation's not right? Do we do the same thing on throw ins? I mean, it just seemed. But I mean, 90, 91st and 96th minute, this is exactly what we talked about in the first half too. Those last five, 10 minutes in either half when you're defending a lot, make a big difference. And while we weren't defending a lot necessarily, um, we didn't make as many subs as there as they did. You know, they had probably a little fresher legs. The bench isn't quite there for us, but look, six to one in shots, um, 92% pass success by Liverpool. And it felt like it, um, you know, it's just, you know, 78% possession, it seemed like they might break through and Jordan Pickford made a flurry of saves in the 94th to save us. His save going down low to his left was absolutely phenomenal. And um, it really saved the match for us really. And and I think that was, I mean, Pickford was just a difference maker today and he deserves all the credit in the world. He wasn't. And, and before we, before we get into our, our good performances, I wanted to also note based on, you know, talking about the subs, right. James Gardner at JR Gardner 91 had a nice comment I liked, which was remind me again how the five subs rule benefits all clubs equally. Obviously, Liverpool used all five of theirs. We've discussed it, you know, extensively through the beginning of the season, how we haven't really been using subs, sometimes not at all. And when we do, maybe one. Uh, So, you know, I thought that was a relevant point to the match. Also, you know, definitely uh, context to be had there. I thought you said James Garner. And I was like, oh, he tweeted at us. Wow. We really oh, I, guard, guard. <laughs> no, I know, I know. And he we should have though. as well. But, he will uh, one day, I think. I hope well, so. But no, it's, it's, it's a huge difference too, because look, yeah, they have some injuries. I get it. The Ox is hurt. You know, Nabi Kita is hurt. Tiago. I mean, the Ox was bought for like 30 million pounds. The guy doesn't even see the field. Kita was, I mean, well, uh, right. But my point is, look at us. You know, we have way more injuries than they do, yet they still have a fairly deep bench and they can just pull someone like Archer out. Hey, come on, join us. Um, so part of that's really good recruitment, of course, part of it's having Europe, but yeah, I, I don't feel not a lot of sympathy there. It would be nice if we are a little more healthy. It would have been nice to maybe get Frank another, another alternative in the window. Um, but alas, still we hung on, uh, got the points, which I, I think were important. Um, I'd say it's a relatively fair result. I don't know what your guys thoughts are before we get into individual performances. Pleased with the draw. I mean, no, no doubt about it in these fixtures. I'm always and for that period of stoppage time. I was of course expecting the inevitable late Liverpool winner, 
because that's what they do. And that's what always happens against us. So very pleased to not have that happen and have us see the result out despite the yellow for time wasting. It was a probably a good yellow to take. And uh, look, it's not a win that we were all hoping for and are still searching for. But in this context, in this match, can't be too beat up over over a hard fought draw. Yeah, I mean, good performance, good result, right? We saw uh, minutes for new signings some more. So, you know, Onana, Mope, again, we, he went 90. Ghana got some minutes on the pitch. And Frank even mentioned how he looked really good in his post-match comments. And, and, and in quotes, isn't even fit. Um, so a lot of important measures there, things to build on in our performance, starting three in midfield, like a lot of fans have been excited to see, and it looks like it'll work out, um, in, in terms of the personnel that we've got moving forward. So all positives, I'm feeling really good after today and, and another match unbeaten for Everton this season in a row. Uh, the moped deserves a lot of credit for coming in there and playing the way he did. I mean, imagine someone like, Ben Brereton Diaz jumping in there for his first match with Everton in the Derby and going 90. I mean, it's not a reasonable expectation. So and, true. And, yeah. No, and, and look, I mean, for, you know, we figured it would probably about 10 million pounds. You get a guy that's been a proven contributor in the Premier League. And I know everyone's going to say, well, his finishing isn't that good. Blah, 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 blah. I, I get it. You know, I'd rather have somebody that creates a lot of chances, though. And if that's if that's what we get for a guy that's not fit. Um, Four I, key passes today. Absolutely. And look Highest at him. on the team. Yeah. The hold up play. I mean, the way he moved the ball around and created chances for other and just the effort and the movement is so good. And it's just nice to see a very active player and imagine what happens when we start to get on the ball. So, all right, player, individual player performances. We're saving the two big ones for you guys. But uh, for me, I'm going with Alex Awobi only because I've never picked him, I think, for good performances this year, which is ironic. But uh, for me, look, when he got the ball, he was clearly our most dangerous guy. And I think being able to play a little higher and having people behind him has freed him up a little bit. Now, we haven't seen necessarily 15 assists coming from the guy, but I think we'll see that better against teams when we can dominate the ball more. He's our best playmaker. He might be our best player. The effort was, of course, there. There were several times, too. I think he really only had one key pass, but come on. I mean, how many times did he come so close to springing other people? Mopez, you know, four key passes, a lot of them were Wobi feeding him and making passes that there weren't big gaps for him to make those passes in, and he's doing it at speed, and just his ability to hold the ball is just it's just massive. And I mean, what a player he's become for us. I don't know if we're quite seeing the Iwobi that we saw with, with Arsenal, but I think we're getting close to it, especially in that role. And if we continue to play four, three, three, I mean, he's got to be that guy in that role. And, and just, I just kept saying in the telecast, like feed Alex, just get him the ball because when he gets the ball, the worst thing that happens is what he keeps it. He passes it back to someone who's open. You know what I mean? Um, and the best thing he happens is creating havoc and putting pressure pressure on the other team. I kind of wanted him to hit a few more shots though today. I feel like there were a couple chances on top of the 18 where I wanted to take a crack. I mean, he's not the greatest shooter, but you know. Yeah. I mean, it, honestly, it's just fun to see him playing with so much confidence and also just kind of, it seems like he is taking on full responsibility on the pitch and it shows in his play. It shows in, you know, his work rate um, and it shows in how he's performing, obviously. So it's great all around. Un- unbelievable from him again today. Like you said, Ryan, the the slotting passes through tight windows right to guys' feet was beautiful. And uh, that little bit of skill he showed on the sideline to escape pressure was uh, chef's kiss. Beautiful stuff. For my good, I went with the uh, easiest layup in history for good players. And that's Jordan Pickford, who had eight, say it again, eight saves. A couple of them weren't so good, but I think probably five or six were Excellent, excellent saves, his ability to get low, his ability to dive across the face of goal, tip stuff over. 
Um, his distribution, blah, blah, you know, not that great today. But in terms of doing the first and foremost responsibility of a keeper, saving shots, he was huge today. Without without his performance, we would have lost handsomely. So I uh, give him a lot of credit. Glad to see him uh, get a lot of the man of the match shouts. Still things for him to improve on. But for today in isolation, I was really happy with the performance. Yeah, it, it can't go unnoticed. And we've seen, honestly, a lot of those performance from him over the years. So it's nice to see that he started the season hot um, for my good. Honestly, probably very close to as easy as a layup as, as yours. And that would be Mr. Onana here. Um, Skakwa had some stats for uh, full time. He had the highest pass accuracy on the team for 88%. Most duels won 11, tied most ball recoveries eight, most tackles seven, and most aerial duels won three. He was at an absolute beast in midfield. And, and that was even with, you know, getting his, his leg, you know, destroyed by Van Dyke um, on some reparations type stuff. So uh, I thought he was he was incredible. Um, he's really growing into a role at Everton, especially in that three-man midfield, as you said, Ryan, in which he's able to kind of have more of an effect, um, you know, forward and back on the ball. And I look forward to seeing how he progresses through his career. I think he's going to be a mainstay in the midfield for quite a few years. So let's... I think we had so many good performances. I wanted to throw it over and see if anyone else had any more goods because I think it would be unbecoming if we we had some bads today. <laughs> well, I would go... I mean, we talked about it already, but I'd go Mopai, good. Four key passes, five shots. Just night and day in terms of our attacking effectiveness to have a true striker in there who looks to facilitate play. Loved his movement off the ball, getting in dangerous areas. Also tried a cheeky little bicycle kick. Uh, <laughs> pretty ambitious. And love to see that. So I, I'd put good for him as well. Yeah, Tarkovsky for me would be another good one. I had to go with someone on the defensive side of the ball. Three interceptions, eight clearances, four blocks, 75% pass accuracy. Um, I, th- I think he just offers and provides such a difference in calmness in defense compared to last season. I felt a lot more comfortable this year. You know, it it, it just doesn't feel like we're going to make, you know, uh, our center back is going to have six errors leading directly to a goal this year. And I, I think that as a baseline is always a positive, but good performance, um, you know, good communicator in the back line, all positives for me. Yeah, I can't say we had a ton of bads necessarily. I mean, we had a game plan that was, was what it was. Um, still, we got to do something about the bad second half, second half starts though. And, and not to channel my inner American football um, self, but you know, halftime adjustments, um, they make a big difference. And, I don't think there was anything necessarily tactical that I saw that was a massive difference. Although Firmino definitely gives them a little bit of a different dimension up there. And maybe that's something that we didn't quite adjust to as well, but I just, I didn't feel like we we're at it right away. And I mean, how can you not be at it in the Merseyside Derby? That, that, that's kind of my, my critique. Um, James, I know you have some things to say about the referee and, and I, I, I I'm probably going to echo every one of them. Yeah, he was terrible. Yeah, he can speak for all of us here. We give him our delegation of authority moving <laughs> forward. I said F. Anthony Taylor in the comment. I didn't, you know, use the actual word, but like he was terrible again. He really should have probably given two or three Liverpool players yellow cards before he gave Onana one. The challenges, I mean, he the 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 foul on Gray that he got clipped and was deemed a flop, like could go either way but he makes contact and he goes down and there's no consistency there because half the time that's a foul half the time it's not 
there just is he was all over the place really inconsistent really frustrating but we overcame it ultimately and none of the decisions really came back to bite us you know i think it's one-sided though that's my problem if you're just going to be bad fine i've come to grow grow into the fact that the premier league and i think it hurts the product frankly it makes me wanting to watch other leagues because the talent in the premier league is got to be the best in the world if it's not you know it's 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 darn close and I think it just it just ruins things at times. I mean, how can you be so bad and so inconsistent? Um, but in this case, I just felt like there was a double standard. I just felt like every time we went down, of course, it was a flop, never a foul on them. And every time they went down, it was a foul on us. And I, I don't think that's my imagination. I don't think it's my bias. I think I do a pretty good job of trying to remain objective. And I just couldn't see it any other way. I was laughing a couple of times, like, how on earth is that? And the card distribution is all over the place. I don't know what's a yellow card anymore and what isn't. Uh, Onana, first foul of the... I mean, what? How? And on- you know what, though? You know what, though? This this scenario, usually we'd be using that as the excuse as to why we couldn't get a result. Seriously. I, I think it was really important that through the adversity of like the poor officiating, um, you know, a lot of players not necessarily being fully fit, I thought it was a really good result. Yeah, fine margins. Fine margins, right? Those things matter. And the fact that you could kind of overcome them a little bit, I think we did today, does say a lot. I do. I I mean, fine margins, there's also some luck involved in there, too. So we can can thank. Hey, we don't say that around here. We can thank the bars a little bit for today. But look, you know, over the time period, I I don't know. Either way, I I think there's a lot to be encouraged by today, too. And I, I think. Some of our summary comments, I think, point to that. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we, we had Pennsylvania Toffees. Uh, they said, that's the team we've been waiting for. Onana and Patterson put in strong performances, saw much more action in the attack. Goals will come. This is a team building chemistry. We have a lot to look forward to. Pickford, my word, what a match. Um, and, and just a quick note on Patterson. We haven't talked about him uh, too specifically. He had five tackles, interception, clearance, a block, um, decent pass accuracy, only had two bad touches. So, um, definitely by the book, um, a pretty good performance from him in his first Derby. I think what the most encouraging thing about him is, look, some of his defensive techniques are a little off, like his hips are kind of all over the place and his positioning is a little off too. But I think Alex, you're making the point off the pod. This is the first time we've seen him really come to life with his raw athleticism. We saw a little bit of it last match too, in terms of his engagements, but we saw him get forward a couple times and start to grow into the match and just a couple opportunities. You don't need too many more than that. If you're playing solid defense, um, he didn't take care of the ball maybe as well as we would have liked, but I think some of the shaping was, was off a little bit on that side. So I don't totally blame him for that. Um, but the encouraging thing for me is I know he has attacking talent. I know he can serve a ball. I frankly, I might start putting him on corners. My heavens. Um, but, but the point being is I've seen some of that. He had one shot that could have been outstanding. It just got deflected. I've seen enough of that. That was not, that's not really my concern about him and his ability to get forward. The fact that we're seeing him grow into things and part of that's chemistry too, you know, playing next to the same guy and, and communicating and, and um, you're just starting to see more of the beast of an athlete that he is. And that, that's really encouraging to me. And he seemed to like really kind of get into the Goodison atmosphere. He's almost like illustrative of it. And, and at times it seemed like Goodison was rocking and I'm happy that EFC Jonesy, who's our resident attender, and almost all the matches, we got a couple more in the Discord too. I mean, he, you know, he he said Goodison was kind of on the brink there the whole match. Yeah, we had uh, Jonesy, who's I, I've dubbed our Everton Goodison correspondent because he is a season ticket holder, and he told us uh, it was ready to explode, but never quite got there. If the goal had stood, you'd have seen a very different last ten to fifteen minutes. I think that's 
a, an interesting observation. It was always at boiling point, but never, in my opinion, boiled over today. It's just the nervousness of this fixture that has everybody tense. And yeah, when it's sitting nil-nil going into the last 10 minutes and six minutes of stoppage time, I mean, everyone's on the edge of their seat, but you're not exactly uh, going to be super inclined to like cheer really loud because you're so worried that something could go wrong at any any moment. And we were under so much pressure. But the goodest atmosphere through the TV, I mean, the pre-match atmosphere, again, the flares, everything that has become like just the standard, I guess, which is unbelievable, that level of support all throughout the atmosphere is great. And uh, I appreciate we appreciate Jonesy adding his contribution and giving us the firsthand account. Rivalry matches are just exhausting, aren't they? Because you're just like, oh, I do not want to lose to these. Let's not blow it against these guys. Um you know, as, as a pit football fan, I was watching the backyard brawl, you know, on Thursday night and it's the same thing. You just go through it and thankfully pit won. I don't know if they deserved to win, but like, you're just thinking, oh my God, the, and, and I'm back home in Pittsburgh today. Oh my God, I do not want to have to come back to this town and have to deal with the opposing fans, you know, yapping and just hear from them the whole time. So um, I'll take the not a loss um, for sure. But I, I think most importantly, though, there were some really encouraging signs uh, that this team might be better going forward than than even I maybe thought. Yeah, I mean, Hugh at Ostoffy Art had a pretty uh, easy and summative comment that said, it's the sort of performance that gets me optimistic about the rest of the season. I feel the same way. I thought Andy had a good comment as well in, in terms of going forward, especially in regards to the midfield. Yeah, we had Andy Cieja at Schmub with two Bs. He said, now that's what a midfield looks like. We controlled better today than all season. Onana played well. Felt like Patterson really grew into that game and looks more comfortable in a back four. Man of the match for both squads, the post. Decent shout there. And I do like the continuing to hit on Patterson. Just love of comfort in a back four. Um, Something that we questioned, you know, given his capability going forward, but some of the defensive ability came under question. I mean, he was solid enough today and made some really impressive recoveries and defensive plays. So uh, I, I'm glad that he's getting praise. Hopefully we don't get too carried away. He's still young. He's still going to make mistakes, but encouraging nonetheless. But these guys have ceiling. That's the exciting part about it. You know, they're starting right. to deliver now and you know, they can be so, even Anana can be so much better. I mean, you see what you saw at Lille. You see the calmness on the ball, um, the the prioritizing possession over kind of being reckless going forward, which I think is something this club really needs. And you see Patterson starting to grow row in and, and he hasn't played a lot in a true back four where he has to defend I mean the Rangers he was up and down the pitch and at Scotland he typically plays wing back so I thought that that was really encouraging I like Andrew Helberg's at Andrew Helberg's uh, Twitter tweet um, especially in in kind of the same vein of going forward some really exciting stuff he says feel much more confident in us moving up the table in coming weeks that's what it's about, right? Um, of course, Mope would miss a big chance on his debut, but thought he looked quite good overall. Big impact. Ghana, Onana, and Awobi is going to be special. I think you put Decorey in the mix. And that's what's exciting to me. I mean, think about that midfield and the ability to finally kind of control a ball. I mean, what a big acquisition Ghana is. Even Onana, you saw at the end of the first half, starting to lose some steam and lose position. And, and that's a lot of where some of their chances happened in the final third. You get a guy who's experienced, who's confident on the ball, who can now get the ball up the pitch a little bit to people like Awobi to create. Onana is freed now. You could see how exciting he can be and how much range he has in his size to get up and down and wreck havoc. Imagine this too. Imagine us going up on someone and putting a Wobie out wide to kind of possess the ball a little bit more and defend more. 
with like Gordon maybe on the other side or McNeil who defend very, very well. And McNeil especially who's good on the ball. And then putting Decore and Onana in front of Ghana, which is just fun to say, by the way. Onana, Decore, Ghana. Anyway, I mean, those guys are monsters. Good luck trying to play through that. I mean, imagine that just springing counters and put DCL in there too, running in behind with his speed. I mean, you've got something there. You still have some problems in the back, but, but Hey, I mean, I think there's a lot to be excited about going forward and we haven't seen the half of it. I mean, these guys have ceiling and guys aren't even fit yet. So uh, to me, that was the biggest part about this and why it's encouraging going forward. I'm excited. Yeah. I think we can all say it was a, a good result and something to build on as, as seems to be the consensus in general. Yeah. I was, I mean, I, I was going to hit on the DCL thing cause we haven't even talked to him, but like, him in there today with an option to bring Mopai off the bench to change a game. It's just a level of versatility we haven't really seen. So I am very, very excited. It seems like the fan base, uh, well, dare I say, gentlemen, we might be getting a little carried away, but what the heck we got to draw on the Derby. Let's celebrate and enjoy it while it lasts because who knows when the other shoe will drop and we'll see some horrible result, but hopefully this momentum continues to build the strong performances You know, we still have periods during the match where we lapse and we look weak, but those are, I think we're showing a better ability to kind of course correct away from that and not let it capitulate and spiral and become, you know, concede two or three. And all of a sudden it's a totally different picture. We'll play bad for 10 minutes, but then adjust, reconfigure and, and really push on. And that again is just a change from what we've seen in the recent past. So I'm very thrilled about that. Gentlemen, any final thoughts on today? on Everton going forward before we wrap up. Nope. No, I'm good. Yep. Up the toffee. Said it all. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a rating and review. We'd appreciate that a ton. If you want to follow us on social media, as always, links in the description. Join our Discord, invite.gg slash ATP. That's going to do it for us. We'll be with you next time. If you haven't, check out our transfer or deadline day special that just came out a couple days ago. It's a good one with some good community engagement. Otherwise, until next time, up the toffees. (laughs) 